Jamaica with bright, shiny moves like that. How is everybody doing? Welcome aboard Soul Train. You have tuned in to our favorite Thursday event, what we all know and love cheerfully, gleefully as Thirsty Thursday. A little awkward silence there. I used to do that all the time, and it's been a minute since I've done that, so I thought I would go ahead and do it again. We have an extra star-studded special guest of lineups today, and it begins with our new favorite pal, the man of interesting photoshops that are actually completed in Microsoft Paint like a real OG graphic designer, (laughs) hails from California, resides in Alabama, almost said Mississippi. Everybody give a warm round of applause for your friend and mine, Lon Burgundy. Welcome, sir. Glad you're here. We are not going to use your real name, so don't worry about that. Nobody can remember your real name anyway. We tried to dox you leading up to the show, but everybody grew weary or tired of, of attempting to dox you. And Gibby wasn't on to be able to do his magical IP unlocking things or whatever that he ends up doing. So I'm sure you're behind a uh, in a VPN and all that fun stuff anyway, and it just would have led to nowhere. But thank you for taking time out of your day to come on and spend the evening with us, the Degenerates. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. And along with Lawn Burgundy, we also have our other two fal- pals. And it begins with Ray Ito. Ray, how are you, sir? Well, still around. How's that? <laughs> that is good. Ray was not executed by the uh, over-aggressive uh, Hawaiian police, and that is a callback <laughs> to the Burn and Return podcast we recorded. Uh, <laughs> and one of the great lines from that was, <laughs> did swatting originate in Hawaii? And that was by our great friend, Ryan DeMay. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Matt. And, uh, you know, I can't say that swatting uh, initiated or started here in Ohio. What I can tell you is, is that uh, you're wearing your Tennessee shirt tonight. I'm really excited. Hoping to see, uh, you know, I'm hoping to see Tennessee at least go 500 this year. You got me, you got me jazzed with the, uh, the squares there. I'm really excited. Look, if we go 500, I'm going to, well, you know, I, I'm already making preseason bets that we're going to win the national championship. And uh, <laughs> I'm setting myself up for so much pain like I do every Wait. year. We got to see, we got to see here what the odds are. I'll, I'll let you know. You keep talking. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if they win the national championship, I'll retire. Um, such a poor team and such poor effort over the last few, uh, handful of years there. I, God bless. Oh, Jeremy, do it, prove it. Cause man, was that a wild ride? If there was ever one to be a hold of a horse on, that was it. Uh, but you know, I thought, I thought I'd bust it out and, uh, you know, represent a little bit. Go Vols. Uh, University of Texas and uh who was the who was the other one? Uh they can they can suck Oklahoma. It. Yeah, Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. Bye-bye. They're not real. Bye-bye. Not real. Yeah, we're we're an exclusive group and uh and we're the only orange that's allowed in here. We were founded before University of Texas and I don't know if they forgot, but they should remember the Alamo because uh if it wasn't for Tennessee, they they wouldn't be here. And that 
it's all, all right. Never mind. Where are we going? David Crockett. We got it. We got this it. This is David a terrible right. start to the show. <laughs> no, it's not. We're just we're we're just riffing here. We're riffing. What? Okay. So this guy, right? This lawn burgundy, and I and and we said instead of using real names, we would just randomly make up a name for you every time we said something to you. So like, you know, I might call you Keith. Ray might call you Fred, whatever, but we'll, we'll try and stick with Lawn Burgundy if we can here. Um, how did you get to the point where you're on uh, our, our little uh, lawn discord server and talking to a bunch of grass growing lawn degenerates like us to begin with? And then how did you ascend so far in that hierarchy that you are now sitting here talking to us on the YouTubes? Tell us about uh, your lawn care journey and how it got started. Oh, well, probably just like a lot of people, I you know started to get an interest in it and doing it myself. Never wanted to pay somebody to do it for me. Never really knew what I had at the last home as far as grass type. Never really cared. Always hated mowing. Then I just started seeing it as a, a good therapy to get out there and thought as a challenge to understand how to control it and grow it well and grow it right. And heard about, you know, uh, real mowing and found the TLF forum and all that, and which led me to the Discord as well. And met you guys and just hung out and was an idiot most of the time. And that's where I'm at, really. <laughs> what a beautiful intro there. I, I got to say, and I, you know, big shout out, and I want to plug them again later in the show too. Shout out to the Lawn Forum. Uh, I enjoy the Lawn Forum. Uh, it's a different, it's a different breed of human beings. I bet if you polled uh, the the 50% line of that place, what percentage works in either IT or engineering on the lawn forum? And the Discord is a di direct representation of that too. You can go to um, thelawndiscord.com and uh, and check out what we're talking about. That's that's the lawn forum Discord, and uh, it's also that, that is like the fun place to hang out. Uh, so if you want to fight with somebody or you want to uh, complain about your spouse or you want to complain about getting in trouble for spending $1,300, something lawn related that you shouldn't have spent um, because you have that <laughs> kind of disposable income, then the Lawn Forum Discord is for you and uh, you'll fit right in with everybody there. But I would say, uh, you know, much like the Discord I, is is definitely 70%, 65-70% IT engineer STEM related field. Would anybody disagree with that? No. I wouldn't. No. I think we all want to know the why, and that's why we come here to understand more about the why other than just, "Hey, just throw this out and it'll work. Just throw this down and that'll work or just do this." It's like, "Well, why? How does it work? What makes it work? What right. to the next level of understanding?" It works through what, what, faith what are we based? Never mind. Go ahead. Go ahead. What do we what, what do we call that? Faith faith based agronomy. Faith, what do we call faith, that, Ray? What's uh, what's our saying? Buy my shit. <laughs> Buy my shit. I mean that's uh you can't condense it down any more directly. Buy my shit. Uh pray that it works. And uh if not that, we're also here to break through decades of lawn dogma. Okay, we're here to break through that and 
Because I have a saying, if it didn't work before, what makes you think that you doing more of it now is going to make it better or work better? <laughs> hey, if some is good, more is gooder, right? That's, that's right. What, that's I mean, what they'll that's, tell you. That's what they that's what they say on the Discord. More is gooder. <laughs> I mean, I gotta remember that. <laughs> More is gooder. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I appreciate that about the IT folks and, and you, Lawn Burgundy, because you know, asking the why is important. And be honest, and I know Matt always talks about it when he does uh his lawn care help desk. And Ray and I have said it. There's shit that we flat out don't know. And we'll we'll we're uh, you know, man up and say it if we don't. But a lot of times it's not even, I'm sure it's the same way in IT. It's not necessarily knowing the right answer at that instant. It is one, knowing where to look, who to ask, you know, what your sources and, and resources are to chase those down. And then just having, you know, the the gumption, if you will, to go chase it down, right? I think that's, that's the thing I've always found in in lawn care and turf management and everything like that is that there's always a point where you can say, Hey, that's good enough. I'm, I'm, I'm good. That's enough information. That's enough studies, research, product information, uh, enough work. Right. And I'm done. That's, that's all I want to do. And that's the, all the further I want to go. And that is kind of the good thing about it is you, you know, you can still get to a good stopping point and be satisfied with it. Um, you know, so that's the, I, I guess it, maybe, maybe more so than it, you know, because it either works or it doesn't, right? But go ahead, Matt. Go. Well, I was just going to say, and I think that parlays into tonight, that um, hopefully any kind of questions you put in front of us, that if we can't give you an answer, we can at least give you a starting point or somewhere where you get to to scratch the back of your eyeballs to uh, or drive some interest into, into, into learning more about a particular topic or something. Hopefully, we don't go about this just telling you what to do without any kind of reasonable explanation on why to do it. And that's I don't think that's the objective of any of this, right? It's it's always to provide sound agronomic advice uh, advice at the at the backing of a solid source to um, uh, co-sign our bullshit, so to speak. I've been using yeah. A lot I was going to say it's AA well, phrases here lately. I don't know why I keep doing that. I think co-signing no. my bullshit came I, from AA too. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I was just going to say, you know, the way that you just said of, of having somebody tell you exactly what to do and how to do it without any reasonable explanation, you can go, there's a website, uh, it's www, it starts with a Y and ends with a Y, and it's not you're a pussy, but it's pretty close, so... Uh, you know, you can check that out if you want to, but anyhow, uh, let's talk a little bit about, um, the, <laughs> that's Go how balls, we get in trouble on the lawn forum. That's how we get in trouble on the lawn forum. Hey, two demerits for Demay. All right, fine. Whatever. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying it how it is, folks. If you don't like it, John, I'm sorry. John like, Ware is going to DM me later tonight, and he's going to be like, why is everybody so mad at you? Like, I don't know. I didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Send him to the comment box. All right, so talk about the products you're using right now, the issues you're facing today, 
and how long have you been in Huntsville? Like what, or in that area? I think you're in Northern Alabama or you're somewhere in that vicinity, I think. Yeah. Cause you're not yeah, down I've, in like I've Mobile been... where it's like real hot no, and real not, disgusting. I'm not, in this, I'm not in the swamp right now. No. Um, I'm in Northern Alabama near our uh, resident rocket scientist. Um, I've been in the area <laughs> about six years, I believe. Um, and I got I came out here for for work. My my company actually moved me out here, and we just moved into the house that I'm at in September of 2019. And uh, the, the contractors put down sod for us, and I thought I saw it as a really good opportunity to, to jump in and learn and try to keep it really nice as quickly as I could. So um, you know, the first year it was it was all rotary with the Husqvarna and. Um, push mower and then I got on the lawn forum and jumped in and got myself a true cut um and then I jumped in and got a uh, Toro just recently and just went down to um basically Montgomery and got that from uh, one of our our other members on there as well so it, nice. it escalated pretty quickly <laughs> I was gonna say but, I was gonna say this is like uh yeah that, that's that's a uh, pretty quick did uh you know so uh, one of the issues that most people face here and matt uh talked about it is some of the political capital that gets expended to do this stuff uh did uh did, was there anybody in the house that was uh concerned with the uh escalation in your lawn care behavior no um the wife's actually 100 percent behind it she like yeah. she likes it she thinks it looks great she likes having a really good looking lawn uh we've always kind of been together on the fact that we buy what we want we like what we have. We don't really buy each other gifts because we just go get what we want anyway. You know, as long as it's within reason and we have a conversation about it, there's really no issue there. And one of the big ways that I was able to overcome it was, you know, the cost of actual products to put down. I, I got a, a $12 bag of Rural King 12-12-12 that I'm using right now. You know, it's, it's not the greatest for it in the world, but it's, it's enough to get me, you know, the half a pound of nitrogen per application. and I've got a little bit of the equalizer. Uh, what was it? Uh, 18, 18, 18. I got some of that. I got some feature. I got a few, a few of those items. And then I've also got sprayable ammonium sulfate. And I've my only real two, two to three chemicals right now are uh, sulfentrazone, uh, quinclorac, and then I have some Q4D. And that's pretty much all I have right now as far as uh, that. Plus the pre-emergent for diamine, which I um, did a rounding error and put down my yearly max in one application last year. I learned a lot from that. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's a heck of a rounding error. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Man. You know, math isn't my best subject, but yet I'm an engineer. So go figure. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so, so unfortunate. The old engineers yeah, that's, don't uh, do math. Don't do math. That's like uh, I knew a the guy once. The two big that... over application errors that I'm familiar with were both engineers. Yeah. The other one, the other one being Brian. Who was on here before. With the 10X, with the 10X rate of metsulfuron methyl. I wonder how that tree's doing nowadays. Didn't it's look, falling apart good. if you're not aware <laughs> he is continuing to lose major leads out of that thing and he's like i think it's okay now like, really 
you just lost a 6,000 pound branch out of that tree. Are you sure it's okay? <laughs> Thankfully, the damn thing case, down. Thankfully, in this case, it's just grass and it'll grow back. Unfortunately, not so much with the tree. Yeah, it's that's not a and that, not a not gonna and that's be. His, uh, and that's his wife's favorite tree, so that caused even more tension. Otherwise, I'd uh, have told Brian, maybe it's time for the tree to have a little accident. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. Like you said, gifts within reason. You go out there, you buy her a Land Rover, and you cut the tree down while she's at the dealership picking out the color. It seems fair to me, right? So, yeah. You know, if you if you're looking for a way out, I think I think that's good. I think we got to apply some of the lawn burgundy lessons here of gifts within reason. But you know, while you're while you're out doing some of those errands, I might make it go away. So, hey, <laughs> whatever. I didn't see too many tree issues in those photos that we just looked at, and I thought the the, the, the grass looked pretty good. Uh, what what cultivar are you working with down there? Uh, it's common Bermuda. Oh yeah, that looks pretty good for Camarilla oh, yeah. in Alabama. Look at that. You know that's what? stellar. It is no, it is not the cultivar of Bermuda. It is the maintenance and the management that makes it happen. I mean, that's kind of why I, at some point in time, start rolling my eyes when. People fetishize, you know, various cultivars of grass because it don't matter unless your maintenance practices are all there. And man with the GM 1000 series is obvious that his maintenance practices are there. Okay. It's obvious. It, all right. So what, what we're saying here now is that a, a hat's not going to be good enough. A shirt, nothing like that. We need to get Ray a custom made El Toro Zoysia belt buckle for Christmas. We have to. <laughs> we'll figure it out, Ryan. How would you compare the uh, the GM one thousand versus your uh, your Cal trimmer? I'm anxious to hear this. Or True Cut uh, true versus cut. the True Cut. Yeah. Um, well, there were things I liked about the true cut, right? It was the finger um, clutch, you know, the finger push. It was it was nice and easy. I could throttle it. I could clutch it around the trees. Because in one of those pictures, you see it's all mulched all the way around. And that was this year. We actually pulled out like 3,000 square feet of sod around the trees and the fence line. Because I was tired of going around that with the mower and running against the fence. And it just took four times longer than it should have to mow the lawn. So I said... No, we're done. I stock cut it out. I bed redefined it. And we only found the one color of mulch that the wife liked. It was in a bag. So we did 350 bags worth of mulch cool. and hand threw them all out and dropped them in. Yeah. Oh, Lord. But, you know, we figured, you know, we're doing it ourselves. We're still, we're going to yeah. still save, you know, thousands of dollars not paying it. Uh, landscape so that's why we went I just admire Most everybody's definitely. energy. I, that is, I am so jealous of your uh, ambition and energy and desire. Wow, that is something to say. I mean, that is special. 
Good for you. Well, her her parent her in laws were in town, and her father helped me for most of that. He had the truck and everything. I'm not fitting that in my little station wagon, that's for sure. Regardless, <laughs> if my parent uh, in laws were in town, I would be like, "You go get the tequila. We're gonna go sit on the back deck and just drink the entire bottle." Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> be like, don't you have some project? Don't you have a mulch project to do? I'm like, no, 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 no. We're doing tequila. <laughs> well, we we definitely drank afterward. <laughs> Good. Good. The project is called Kill the Bottle, okay, Matt? That's that's your project. Kill <laughs> yeah, the bottle. Yeah, yeah. With with a little yeah. help. With a little help. <laughs> I'm trying not to feel feelings anymore here, okay? Uh, whatever the quickest path <laughs> is to there is the direction I'm going. Yeah, but as far as like the, the true cut goes, it was it was a nice machine. It was a good introduction into real mowing. You know, I've got a manual push one and that, you know, with 10,000 square feet of lawn left, you know, out of the 13 that I had, it's pretty impractical to utilize that on a daily or a weekly basis. So um, the true cut was good. The one thing is I didn't like about it was it was very loud. With all the change. It was a, it was a grease hog. It would, you know, once, once you topped it off, it would drop little grease droppings all over and I'd have little dead spots everywhere. And the, the adjustment for the reel to bed knife to get it to cut right was just hard to get right. And it was frustrating to all hell doing those three bolts on each side and it, that lobe system. And it was, it's just not an intuitive design for a homeowner there. So with the, the GM, it was, it's nice because it, you know, the really quick clicks for the, the adjustments there, the height adjustments pretty simple on that as well. Obviously not as simple as a lever, like, you know, cow trimmers and true cuts have, but, you know, that was nice on the true cut to be able to just lift it up and go to the backyard and cut it at one inch versus the front, which I had, a, you know, three quarters of an inch. I could easily adjust that. So I kind of forced myself into making it one height across both now with the true, with the, um, the GM 1000. So, but the GM 1000 is nice and quiet. The wife doesn't even hear me mowing anymore. So she likes that. It's, it's been a good experience, oh, yeah. you know, moving up. But one thing I do need to do though is it's got an 11 blade reel probably way too high right now at three quarters of an inch for an 11 blade reel so i do need to get down to probably an eight blade and and probably a um what did you call it ray a cut kit or a, a clip kit clip kit yeah and uh, so i'll probably end up doing that at some point and by the way on burgundy that's where i actually have an, an objection to the true cuts in that if somebody doesn't have their engine speed right when they're running that true cut, it's very possible for that true cut to overspeed the reel and run into the same issues that you would have with, say, 11 blades on a GM1000 and no clip kit. It's because the rotational speed, speed of the reel determines how much grass you cut versus how much grass you miss. It's very possible to have the reel spinning so fast that you actually miss a lot of grass while you're going over it. And I saw that for myself uh, back in 2013 when I, when I bought my GM1000. Ray, why don't you talk about that real quick in terms of for the folks that are, and maybe this is, I mean, clearly 
Lon Burgundy's figuring this out right now of why the 11 blade just doesn't work. But regardless of engine speed, which the GM 1000 and the manual, I can't remember what it's what it is. It's like 2600 maybe. I have to go back and look. But there's an RPM that that's supposed to be tuned to tuned to at uh, high idle, so that that reel mm -hmm. will spin at the proper speed. But can you just explain to the folks at home what frequency of clip is? Why um, reel uh, the number of blades on a reel matter, right? And then how that reacts in relation to both warm and cool season grasses, because it can be a little bit different there of what which can tolerate the other better. Okay, for your frequency of cut, what that refers to Holy is shit, shit, how many shit. cuts per inch that reel takes out of the grass, and there's two factors that influence that frequency of cut number one is the number of blades on the reel like a lot of people have heard me say that if you're mowing at higher than say green height you really should be using a reel that has eight or fewer blades because what that does is that reduces the number of cuts per inch that the reel is taking the second factor that goes into frequency of cut, of course, is rotational speed of the reel. Like how many RPM that reel is turning in relation to the travel speed. Now, for a lot of their mowers, that's not adjustable. However, for the Toro Greens Master Series, they provide a very nice way to adjust that so that... <clears throat> The mower is more appropriate for, say, higher cut cool season grasses, for example, because they offer an accessory called a clip kit. And what a clip kit is, is you replace the drive pulleys for the reel and that pulley set deliberately reduces the rotational speed of the reel. So, Ryan... If you have a clip kit attached to a GM 1000 and you have an eight blade re reel, your allowable, you know, optimal height of cut is then 0.35. If you have an eight blade, I mean, if an 11 blade reel, I believe that goes up to with the clip kit approximately 0.3 inches but that's all because that clip kit drastically reduces rotational speed the other good feature about that clip kit that is beneficial to those of us maintaining lawns at home and residential turf and we're not mowing every day or twice a day is that Guess what happens when you lower the real rotational speed? All things the same on that mower. You drastically increase the torque of the reel so that me chopping down, you know, overgrown zoysia, the Jam 1000 handles it. Say you are late mowing your Bermuda a little bit late and it's a little bit, you know, on the furry side. 
that FlipKit will enable you to power through it, you know, no issues. And that will, you know, be an example of what is that favorite saying on the internet right now? A hard cut. <laughs> you know, that, that's my idea of a hard cut. Is say you let your, your Bermuda get away from you it's, and it's about an inch and a half right now. Knock mm-hmm. that son of a gun back down to a half an inch. Oh, <laughs> that's a hard cut. <laughs> Jeez. That's pretty intense. And that, that that's the thing that I think people automatically assume is a real mower is a real mower is a real mower and that's you know just simply not the case there's there's a lot of setup involved and intricacies and i'm sure you know lawn burgundy you said that you you kind of looked at that on the true cut and looked at that system and how i'd agree with you i've never owned one but i've seen it enough to know that it's not the most intuitive thing and then you get on a Greensmaster master uh, 1000 or um like the john deere the qa5 and the qa7 real setup it's mm-hmm. a dream to set those up. There's really not much to it because there shouldn't be. And um, I think that just provides a more uniform cut. And I think that's probably the most important thing when you talk about real mowing uh, from day to day, from setup uh, and from you know your annual maintenance that you're going to do it in terms of grinding, replacing bed knives, all that kind of thing. It's just consistency. Ray, would you agree that just the consistency of it is what most folks are after. I think a lot of PMs, people push too far and like, how low can I go or all this other stuff? And it's like, eh, that's, that's not really what you're after here. You're at establishing a level height of cut across the entire surface. That's uniform and consistent in my mind. You agree or disagree? Yes, totally agree. And I'm also after what I call uniform density of the turf. And that's why, mm-hmm. For example, I'm kind of a, you know, anal retentive nutcase about people that have automatic irrigation. I want that automatic irrigation to have as high as possible of a distribution uniformity so that we don't have areas that go ape on you versus other areas that are thin and dry and about ready to blow away in the summer you know it's all about whole separate thing right but it is consistent yeah consistent you you got to maintain consistency and consistency includes growth of the grass as well you know because you know when you're real mowing you will quickly find out about areas that get overgrown faster than the rest of the lawn. Mm -hmm. And especially in a warm season grass like Bermuda or Zoetia or any of the other real cut, you know, warm season turf, you'll find out real fast about the areas that are growing differently versus the rest of the lawn. What have you seen in ter- in terms of that in Lawn Burgundy and trying to, I guess, bring your lawn to be consistent? I mean, what are some of the issues you've faced here in the last, you know, little bit that you've been there at the house? And, you know, what are some of those looming issues that maybe you haven't taken care of, it, care of yet or are looking forward to diving into a little bit more deeply, whether it be this year or next year? 
mainly the levelness of the lawn. So when they laid the sod, they laid it in those giant rolls. And they left all the uh, plastic underneath, and there were sections where they left a good foot and a half gap in between. So there's huge divots and huge issues. Yeah, it it, it was horrible. I can probably pull the pictures Wait, in JP. But... Oh man, he needs I'm not going to call sand. him out, but yeah, and that's one of the I mean, things I'm looking to. <laughs> and right now we've we've had this really strange season where we've had just weeks and weeks and weeks of rain, you know, in the middle of the summer. And I just started a PGR program. This is one of the things that I wanted mm. to ask you guys is I put in PGR. I was seeing the the telltale signs of the webbing for the dollar spot. So I knew the grass wasn't able to grow out of it quickly and then boom, you know, a couple weeks in and I have I have this. You know, I have this in certain areas of the lawn and certain areas of, of the front and, and everywhere. So to me, it looks like dollar spot. And then I sent Jay Pink another little um, uh, picture of that grass up close up. And that's the best I could find as far as like lesions on things close. But, you know, I pulled on the dead stuff and the top top layer just flies off. But there is still roots down there. So I know that it, you know, it's not grubs underneath growing and then eating away stuff. So. The best, the best thing I could think of is that it's dollar spot, and it's just gotta let you know fertilize it and let it grow out. Yeah, I mean it, it does look like pretty typical dollar spot. The only other thing it really could be this time of year would be like a scotched leaf blight or something bizarre like that, but it would have a different pattern to it. Um, unless you had, well, you're in Alabama, so mole crickets come into play, but that has a totally different aesthetic too. So uh, I'm I'm definitely at the the dollar spot angle on this. And weeks of rain and all that fun stuff, you know, it totally could be multi-symptomal, right? So you could be dealing with a little bit of a, a leaf spot as well. Um, Helmets of sporium, would, Matt. Helmet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, if you if you've got more than three days consecutive of reduced light um, due to cloud cover or extended rain, uh, that's kind of a, a breeding ground for Helminthosporium or leaf spot, however you want to call it. And um, yeah. it, out here, I mean, we've had like two weeks straight of that. So. Okay. So that okay. can that can also cause this, but that's also you know a breeding a breeding ground for also uh, a dollar spot as well. So. Uh, especially in, in warm season grass. And I don't know how juiced you had it going into regulation. Um, you know, I, typically with Bermuda, you know, there's multiple schools of thought on this. I'll tell you, I have never been one to run a lean program on Bermuda. I'm always set it on uh, T for uh, holy shit. The T is for holy shit. And, uh, and that's, you, you know, I... Lovingly, the phrase we used to use was snowing a lawn because after we got done fertilizing, it looked like it had snowed on it. And uh, and so that that was like the, the levels I maintain Bermuda at. Just so that way, I never had to run into something like, especially if it's going to be under regulation, you can you can get out there and goose it to holy hell, especially since you control the, the, the cutting on it, right? You, you know, you're not relying on somebody being there once a week or once every other week kind of sort of deal. And sometimes I would work with mowing guys, right? And if like someone told them that, oh, I only want to cut every other week, you know, I'd go dump. 
uh, a 50 pound bag of fertilizer on 3000 square feet. And then they'd be like, yeah, I think it's growing too fast <laughs> to cut it every other week. You know, you're going to have to, you're going to learn today, boy, you're going to learn today yeah. because, uh, <laughs> okay. When, Which, when and, I, and I'll tell you, I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying that's the right thing at all, at, at, mm-hmm. at all. It's, that was my approach to it. And I think, you know, Ray kind of has on the opposite end of the spectrum approach to it, but you know, he mows everything that he maintains. Right. Um, but you know, I can tell you at least from where, where the, with the experience I have in our area, I always erred on the side of over aggressive with the fertility rather than under uh, aggressive with the fertility. But Matt, you seldom or almost never were doing this to real cut. Am I right? Mm, that's true too. Yep. Yeah, because my tendency is is that if I have a turf grass area heavily regulated, I'm talking about max rates cutless, for example. That's when I actually get a bit more liberal with my nitrogen. Versus if I were not regulated. Because if I do have it heavily regulated, I then go towards 0.25 to 0.4 pounds of N per month. I will go that high. Wow. You know? Wow. And without regulation, 0.25 is my absolute ceiling. In fact, I consider... 0.25 0.25 to be too much if it's not on regulation. Yeah, I'm so running about 0.5 a month. Yeah, so if you're regulating, you're allowed, and there's one more factor to consider. Alabama, believe it or not, is hotter than Hawaii. So your growth potential is actually higher than where I'm at. So with that high growth potential, the grass physiologically has a need for that upper range on the end to where 0.5 pounds of N per month is actually like right on the dot. Whereas for me, that's actually too much for me in most cases. So there's a lot to, you know, calculate and figure and get to work, you know, all together. It's quite a bit. Here's a go- this is a, a, a good question right here. Um, and Ryan, I think you can chime into this because this is something that was being talked about the other day a little bit. Uh, I think, I think you and uh, Ryan were. Uh, Scott said his waypoint uh, analytical lab uh, soil test came back, recommended four pounds in for a residential Bermuda lawn. However, when it was run as a golf fairway at a half inch height of cut, it came back at six pounds of in. And he asked, does the lower height of cut require more nitrogen to maintain it or is it for turf recovery? Definitely for turf recovery. The other thing they could be considering too is uh, clipping removal, right? So you're going to get free return on what? 4% nitrogen, you know, on those clippings, maybe five if you're lucky. And so typically that's what you'd see. I mean, I can tell you this is, you know, cool season uh, bent grass fairways on a, you know, eight, nine month mowing schedule that, you know, we basically would cut out. Uh, a little over a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet for the year on fairways that we did not 
collect clippings on you know so smaller par three fairways where you'd want to have it be a little bit more crisp and, and looking good we collect those those get a little bit more nitrogen and then all the rest uh, no so i think also from a recovery standpoint absolutely i mean uh, on warm season you know we don't replace divots right we just put sand back in there and then allow the bermuda grass you know or the zoysia to do its thing and so in this case uh i would i would assume that the lab is doing that all this tells me now big picture let's take this take a step back here for a minute all this tells me is that lab recommendations are pretty much bullshit you know you can take them and they're not even worth the paper they're printed on so that's that's the whole uh, overarching caveat here is you know your turf best right and um it's always easy to put more on right ray can't take it away once it's easy. down, but it's always easy to put a little bit more on. It's always easy to do more. And so here's how I'm, I'm actually figuring, you know, my end inputs is, do I need the grass to grow faster? Am I starting to get thinner? I mean, I ask myself those two questions, for example, when I'm weighing out the dose of Umax to go in the tank, Ryan. I'm, I'm asking myself every time as I... Do I need it, or is this grass going too damn fast? Then it's time to pull back, you know, the nitrogen if it's growing too fast for me. You got a big giant mirror and a big giant razor blade. You cut that all up with? Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's called, uh, you know, all I, all I need now is the, the hundred dollar bill. I'm pick. <laughs> I'm picturing uh, <laughs> space balls when they when they comb the desert with the big combs. I'm picturing Ray with a big mirror right there and a big razor blade, just cutting up all the all the Umax to put in there. Yeah, just all right. Just a little. Yeah, <laughs> that's also the tangent. Yeah, but it is uh, a tangent. Big tangent. Big tangent. All right. But, but seriously, so, in rates yeah. are all about your your great your growth rate because I call that like the gas pedal for the grass more in means more vertical growth simply you know more in is more vertical growth uh ray have you in. ever known me to not do something 130 percent? do i have a middle <laughs> ground on anything it uh, is full throttle or it is idle <laughs> there is no in between it's either gas pedal or full brake it's either drive or park. There's there's nothing there's nothing in between. I can burn through hey. a clutch and a stick shift in two and a half weeks. Well, gee, Matt, I mean, you got to remember, uh, I come from a state with extremely strict speed limits. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no such thing as uh, step on the gas. <laughs> yeah, you're talking to a guy who's totaled eight cars, so... Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, I, well, well, like I said, the difference in experience is imagine you getting uh, threatened with loss of your license for being, for driving at 55 miles per hour. Yeah, I, I, there's no way I'd make well, it. That, Although I, I don't drive to be... fast anymore. I, okay, I cut that out. That... After uh, after the the bad wreck, where I rolled the car, mm -hmm. that was that was not right. right. That was no good. That's that was not no good. Fun. But but then, uh... 
<laughs> this episode of Scared Straight brought to you by Matt Martin's Insurance Carrier. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. What? So the leveling thing is interesting because I think a lot of people get into this and think they're going to do it the easy way, the simple way, the cheap way, and I don't know that there is. So I mean, what? What do you have a game plan yet? And do you have? you know, a sand source picked out or you, you know, have you timed it up and when you're going to do it? I'm assuming now probably next year. I mean, are you still going to try and, and squeeze some in this year? Or what's your thoughts there? I was going to do it this year. And that was one of the one of the things I wanted to ask you guys with that dollar spot. Is it a good time to even do that with that recovery that needs to happen? Since my, I'm going to be coming out of regulation here soon. So I wanted to utilize that extra growth with, that coming out of regulation to utilize that to pop through. I already did the front last year, but I just did the front little, little section with one ton. And, you know, I'm looking at probably needing about 20 tons. Um, I do have a sand source picked out. There's a place out here, uh, Alliance Sand or something like that. And they actually have USGA top dress sand and they've got analysis on it and everything. So I was looking mm. at getting that delivered and looking at other situations where we have you know, Mason sand and stuff too. So I haven't narrowed down exactly what I want to get yet. You know, my price might be a factor on that this year, um, but it is available to me. So, but my main concern was really, you know, with the, the disease that's there, do I just hit it with some nitrogen and let it grow out and then try to do a top dressing or should I just hold off and wait till next year? Because right now, you know, in the, with the, with the Toro in the back, it's definitely not getting the, the smoothest and easiest cut because of, the undulations and holes and just you know fun stuff that i have out there here's my take on that do you know what i want to do to lawns that have disease issues caused by excessive rain and too much moisture scalp it no i also will sand them because that sand will help dry up that surface it'll it'll help in the drying i mean uh, because i know i you know me by now and that the two things that i suggest for diseases is if you're watering stop it if it's because of too much rain scalp it and going further than that after you scalp that is when you sand because the sand helps keep the soil surface dry. And when the soil surface is dry, you don't have you know, that so much issue with things like Helminthosporium leaf spot and dollar spot because the sand is you know, mitigating the excessive water from the rain. So... That's that. That would be where I'd go, and and furthermore, that's why I'm telling you, I would not do any kind of hand wringing about waiting for the grass to recover from the dollar spot because I th I think that sanding will actually help. You, you know, sanding yeah, a little at, bit at of this uh, point, nitrogen. You're, you're, yeah, you're you're ready for it to grow back in, and it's got to grow back in anyway. So you might as well cover it with sand while it's growing back in, and get all of it done in one fell swoop, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. 
And that's kind of what yeah, I was my, thinking. That, and I talked to our, our resident rocket scientist too, who says sand fixes everything, right? So that was that was his <laughs> response as well. But you know, I figured I I knew this was coming up, and I figured this would be a good opportunity to at least discuss that, so I could know the why behind it, you know, versus just just an effort throwing it out there. So yeah, I mean, I think it it's going to help your sense. runners tack in, help your runners tack in quickly, more more quickly than they would if it was just bare open soil, and then. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with these guys that 20 tons is a lot. So, you know, go like what Matt said. If you're going to do it, go full send for sure. You know, <laughs> there's no reason at this point to uh, to uh, mess around with it at all. I would just go for it. So that ought to be interesting in the back then. I mean, if you when's the when's the timeline for that? You know, we're here sitting here. It's uh, August like this weekend. So what's your what's your timetable? And I'd why do you do that? Weekend, Jake, no, can you throw weekend. up the soil test one more time? I'm sorry. Y'all, go ahead. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. And Jay Pink, I got one that <gasps> I combined of both the back and the front to, to compare the two. Yeah. Both. Ray, Ray, Ray saw the pH and he had some actually, palpitations there. Actually, I uh, had a mini heart attack when I saw his phosphorus level. That, yeah, that was, that was the beginning well, of the year. Yeah, yeah, that was my mini heart attack because uh, 7.5 pH and 13 parts per million analyzed as Melic 3 Orion. It's a lot lower. It's a lot lower. Yeah. I mean, uh... <laughs> so I took your growth potential, plugged it into the model, and. If you if we set a utilization rate of three quarters of a pound of in as your max in rate, then you're gonna need somewhere around five and a half pounds in, four pounds of P, and six pounds of K. Uh kind of based on what we're what you're looking at with your soil test here. So um it would be difficult to overdo it uh with this scenario you've got here. Yeah, and I'd say you the soil yeah, test, but- Matt early in the year too and we had discussed a little bit about this and it was it, we kind of came up with a plan of throwing the uh the sulfur down at five pounds per thousand every month and then do citric acid if possible also on top of that and then just hit it with you know 0.5 of uh some 111 you know every month or so so that's kind of what i've been on so far so the you know the soil test was early on in the year obviously but so I've been doing that since then. So hopefully there's a, been an uptick in a lot of these numbers. And hopefully, you know, after a few years of that the sulfur and citric acid will help bring that pH down and hopefully the intern, the calcium as well. Even yeah, your 111 uh, oh, yeah, is acidifying yeah, yeah. too. Your 111, because yeah. guess what 111 is made out of? It's usually made out of ammonium phosphate as the P source. So... That's going to just help your cause there. Yeah, I mean, being yeah, in the South, say, too, I was a little, I was a little uh, taken back by the 7.7 and 7.75 of pH, you know, down here in the South. Mm-hmm. Usually everything out here is very acidic. But I was thinking the fact that we were on an old, probably farmland, you didn't have any pine trees hanging over it for years and years and years, dropping needles. That might have been part of the reason why I was up high in the pH range as well. 
Yeah, you're in that weird area, like even Middle Tennessee running south into uh, Alabama. That that kind of vein is notorious for having a seven plus pH, and that it was weird for me to learn that too. I've seen a lot of soil tests out of Nashville that have been considerably higher than what I would expect them to be. And it doesn't doesn't make sense then why all the stores just carry lime then. Just throw something at it. It's throw lime at it. It's like, well, why don't you guys have sulfur? Why don't you have any other well, options out you there? Have to, you have to remember how this, how a lot of this got started is um, there was, we, it was real popular down here on Saturday morning to have a local um, agronomist or, or a county extension agent that would be on the uh, the local news and they would give people tips. It'd be like a garden call-in show, right? And you'd call in and you ask your questions and they'd, they'd make these generalized recommendations. And I could swear the stuff that was talked about on those shows is still implemented to this day. Like for instance, put down your lime in the spring and in the fall Put down your ammonium nitrate in the summer and you're going to be good. And for a long time, I mean, legit, this time, uh, I would say pre, uh, or even, yeah, I'd say pre-2008, still walking into uh, a Lesco, it was, I mean, that that was what you found. I mean, you you found a little bit of ammonium nitrate, some triple 13 and, and lime. And that was, there. there weren't a lot of options of, uh, you know, uh, a 3004 or a 3016 or, you know, all the frou-frou blends we're kind of spoiled with now. Uh, what was it we were talking about the other day, the 24511? You know, I'd say for like the last 10 years, that's been kind of a, a, a catch-all base that you see pretty much whoever you go to. Helena's got one. TCS has got one. Zion one has got one. Um, you know, it's it's your old standard 24511. And Man, you can get it by the truckload any time of the year, anywhere you want it. They'll send it to you, and uh, and it's just a floor staple. So some of it has been let go. A lot of it hasn't been let go. There are still a lot of uh, the, the the whole face based agronomy movement began with um, you know trying to trying to turn it into a, a TV show or um, a, a a radio show that you that you call into and you know, you've got a three minute segment that you're talking to somebody and you can only go so deep in that three minutes before you got to move on to the next topic. Right. And so you kind of hedge with what are the majority of the people in my viewership, uh, uh, experiencing, or what are the majority of the people in my listener range actually experiencing? And so while you in Huntsville may be experiencing that to the South of you, to the East and to the West of you, chances are you're probably dealing with the same low phosphorus levels, but on the flip side, you're dealing with ultra low pH. Like you cross over into, um, oh, what's you, you go you go s- south and then directly across the, the is it coming Cummings Georgia? Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what's right across the Alabama line there. Um, but in terms of soil tests, it, those are some of the worst I've ever seen in terms of low phosphorus, low pH, and it looks identical to the ones you see in uh, in Virginia and like the the Roanoke area. Um, low, or, I'm sorry, Richmond area, uh, low phosphorus, ultra low pH, sandy as hell, uh, but hard as a brick because you've got magnesium levels that are, you know, 400, 500, 600 parts per million. 
And so it became just kind of the standard that, you know, do you, do you appeal to hyper specificity, specificity, or do you go, um, do you go with a, with a broader appeal? You know, you cast a wide net or, you know, do you, do you hammer it in? Well, you're a STEM thing. You're a STEM guy, right? So you want the specificity. You're, you're, you're an engineer. You need to know the intricate details. The rest of the world doesn't function that way. You know, they, and even from a, a, a smart business perspective, right? When you're designing a product you, and, and you want to release this product and you're doing market research on a, on a product to understand how much market capitalization can you capture by, if you release this product, how much of the market's going to end up being able to buy it? Well, if you isolate 75% of the market because it's so hyper-focused, you know, then that has to go into how, how much the product cost, And then, once you factor that in that, you know, I, well, I'm going to have significantly reduced sales because I only appeal to 25% of fertilizer users that are out there. And, uh, and so uh, already I'm capped at how much, it, it, you know, can I even produce, can I afford to produce? And then can I turn around and afford to sell? Then you're priced way out of the market, right? Because somebody who's bigger probably already has a product that's in limited release in that, in that segment. And so it's very difficult to compete unless you put all your eggs into that basket. So, neither here nor there, but it's to, to answer your question, why you see that, that's why you see that, uh, is because while they may be distributing in Huntsville, chances are they're probably covering everywhere from Chattanooga, um, you know, to, to beyond Birmingham, really. Um, especially if it's a little bigger, uh, independent place or a Ewing or site one, you know, they're, they're just taking whatever they can get from their other stores at that point. Right. And so, all of their stuff is coming from Tennessee down, right? Or what, you know, wherever they're getting it, it's, it's being trucked down. And so they're going to unload it at these various locations and it spends too much time there. It goes further South and further South, further South until, you know, it reaches its, its final endpoint. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it's a very complicated answer and I promise you there's no one on the face of this plant that's been harder on distributors that, than I have been. But at the end of the day, ultimately, it comes down to business decisions. And while it may not be applicable in your specific instance to, to, to carry Lyme um, day in and day out, uh, chances are for the majority of their customer base, it is necessary to carry the Lyme. And thus, that's why they end up doing it. How about that for a PC answer, Demay? Wow! wow. That was a, you, you really a Y and it ends with a Y, because you... <laughs> it just came to me, and it works. It brilliant! It, it, it was it worked. It was it works. It was so priceless. It was so clutch. I was like, yeah, I thought you had to have written that before because it's it was just no. Was I just I, it just came it just came to me. I I was, was inspired by good. I was inspired by the person sitting across from us on the computer, Lon Burgundy. He's got a sunny disposition, as he will tell you. Uh, but some of his memes, I, I do want to. I do want to get into this for a second. You know, <laughs> do we have any good ones? Any any <sighs> J Pink? Any anything that we can put any up? Safe ones? You know, that's not too. Yeah. yeah do we have I... any? Do we have any safe work ones? If 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 someone does have one. <laughs> They, they can message it to me and I'll put it up. But otherwise, I, okay. you, I'm i going to have to rely on the hive the... brain for that one. Yeah, I can't guarantee my brain will yeah. remember which ones are safe for you two. No, that's okay. 
that's that's okay. You know, we don't want you to be in standards and practices. You ought, you ought to have fun here too. So, um, see if I get him throw them up, throw them up. Uh, what what? I, I did get one. <laughs> uh, give me a minute. I'll get it queued up. All right. So, what has inspired this uh, this creativity to? And I don't want to say mock, but more of a parody, right? Like, and and Matt knows this very, full well, right? when you put stuff out there on YouTube and you put stuff out there, social media, this whatever, is, like he Photoshop, you know, one of the members names on there. Um, oh wait, why didn't <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're opening yourself up to some form of criticism or at least being made fun of a little bit poking, you know, poking you a little bit, whatever, like that's just the way it goes. Um, and we've all had our fair share of that, you know, uh, online in person growing up whatever and if we didn't like you we just wouldn't talk to you but so take it take it as a sign of respect take it as a sign of uh you know uh that we do like you at least a little bit <laughs> right so if you're at home and you're listening what what are we chuckling about here chuckles uh, i'm 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 sending you i'm sending you some uh jay Payne, oh because... boy Man, the first okay. one I pulled up was just <laughs> absolutely hilarious. Oh, what did I do with that? I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not. Actually, I'm not very yeah, good. Actually, at the internet, Lon Burgundy has done some real fun ones, and on one of them, all I have to say about that Lon Burgundy is, I wish. <laughs> okay, I wish. I said that really one to you. <laughs> I wish. This one? Okay. Yeah, I got, I got, I got a lot. I got more coming in than I can keep up with. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, bear with me here. I'm, I am efforting. Okay, so the, the, you know, just real quick, what is, what has inspired some of this? Because you know, you know, this, this is art to me, right? I don't care if you're making music, you're making YouTube videos, you're making memes, whatever. Like, people only do this stuff when they're inspired, and if it's you know if it's spite call it spite but what what <laughs> that's that's I'm, <laughs> I'm doing a historical search on all the images he's posted and it's just funny <laughs> man <laughs> what uh what has what is uh I guess inspired you to do all these. Like, what what is it that like you know you see something and you're just like, yeah, I got to make a meme out of that. Something probably just broken inside my brain somewhere. <laughs> somebody says something and then it creates something else, and then I use Microsoft Paint to literally put it together and throw it out there. So yeah, I think that's this part one. of the the cool part, cool factor of it is it's not you know very well done. It's totally hacked. Together in about five minutes, you know, while I'm sitting in a meeting, and throw it up on the on the chat with everybody. So, <laughs> oh, I did a magazine cover too for all day. I don't know how. I don't care who you are. That's funny. This is just good stuff. Um, Oh, there's yeah, there's one. Uh, we gotta definitely gotta see that one. Um, 
no, it's again, I think there's a lot of stuff out there <laughs> right now that we take aim at. <laughs> Jeez. We take aim at and people <laughs> get 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 the wrong idea, get misconstrued and things like that. And all we're saying, folks, is and I, I will I do want to preface this too. I do want not preface this, but just tease this a little bit. Hey, look, there's Matt and truly I remember that night. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a Thursday, but No, that was like a It was not Saturday it was a Sunday. Sunday. Was oh yeah, it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. You're right. You're right. You're right. So Saturday. Matt, why don't you tell the folks uh about Turf Truth? Not who they are, but what they do. And maybe fill folks in that maybe have not heard or seen this. And some of the folks that they're taking him at, because again, all this does, and I'm trust me, folks, we are not turf truth. Like we were doing stupid, idiotic things back when this account was founded. Ray didn't even know what Twitter was back then. Okay. And, (laughs) uh, this account is putting squarely into focus. Some of the things that we've called out. So I want to make it clear that it's not just, uh, us versus them thing. It is not an axe to grind. It's nothing like that. It's just other people that uh, are of a science background and much more clearly much more academic than we are, are taking notice of this stuff and being like, are you serious? Is that for real? And this is where it's going. Jay Pink, can, uh, can we show the trailer or, or Matt, can you kind of back this up a little bit and yeah, show everybody, uh, so- everybody about it? Hey, and I'm I'm throwing I'm throwing links up in uh, in the chat right now if you uh, want to take a look at this. And so basically, I was turned on to Turf Truth several years ago, um, and they are an unnamed anonymous academic um, that has taken it upon themselves to highlight a lot of the. Um, mismarketed products in the industry. Um, and the way they take it is, is they'll, they'll take a topic, for instance, like uh, gypsum and, uh, and will go, go through and, and sort out all the um, data that's been collective of, of how gypsum has been utilized, where it's been successful and where it's been uh, unsuccessful. And then we'll correlate with the claims of a product, right? So if a product says, you know, if you apply gypsum, it's going to break up your clay. It will improve drainage uh, to, to clay soils. And they'll have a list of studies that you can read through that uh, I des- show what the actual factual scientific uh, part of this. And I have been accused here recently because of this video of being turf truth. And I can promise you I'm not, they have chimed in on the chat a couple of times. And, and I think, you know, that I, I think there's a certain amount of value that comes along with um, these academic foundations. Right. And I'll say, I'll be the first to admit that um, I think empirical evidence is also important. Um, experience is is invaluable, and taking the time out of your day uh, to sit down and quantify the different things you observe while you're out there, and try and put an unbiased, um, uh, 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 factual reasoning behind why you're seeing certain types of things, are only going to help you. In in, in uh, I'm coming at it from the standpoint from a lawn care business. 
are only going to help you from uh, the uh, from the perspective of, of being able to deliver a better product to your end customer. From me, from a manufacturing or product development or even a, a research perspective, it's valuable for me too. So that way I don't have to go repeat a lot of things that I've, that have already been done, right? Or if it has already been done, what kind of modifications can I make to a product? Can I make towards a data collection or towards a different metric to measure that hasn't been previously measured in previous testing? Um, so it's it, it, I'm not going to say that uh, everything that comes out of, of Turf Truth's mouth, that if you have a, a disagreement with it, that, you know, you're an idiot or anything like that. That's not what I'm going uh, where I'm going, because you may have a specific set of circumstances that allow you to have success that may not necessarily align with everything you see in the study. Case in point, right? Like if you have a, uh, a very sodic clay soil, uh, that's that's low in calcium and sufficient magnesium and you applied uh, a gypsum in this scenario, it may be effective for you and it may not have been highlighted in the studies that were cited in this instance. So I want to give a, a very fair, balanced uh, kind of perspective in that regard. And I definitely don't want to mitigate anybody's empirical evidence or experience that uh, of different things they've uh, encountered while out in the field. That's not my intent of doing this. However, however... Case in point, I think it should be an opportunity now that that they are are taking a more active role. I would say, well, and they, I mean they've been active, they've been really unact inactive over the last year or so. Um, but with the idea of releasing uh, video now is you know kind of the next step up, and I would absolutely just adore to have them on the show with us. I think it would actually be a great time because we would end up. Um, cutting up, you know, for a long period of time, just because I'm sure we all have a similar sense of humor since we work in similar fields and professions, right? Um, but there's a lot of value to this because so much of what is uh, 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 preached out there is faith-based agronomy with no uh, scientific foundation and is a lot of of uh, hope and wishing that, that that we get sucked into and we get sucked into hope and wishing because we spent a lot of money on a product for instance right uh, it's kind of like the the reasons why we buy a product that that uh that Ryan DeMay uh outlined and the emotional investment you put into it when you spend $1100 on your uh pre-emergent uh, you, you know, your, your bottle of spectacle, right? And all of a sudden, and, and this is stuff I see, you spend that much money on your spectacle, you apply your spectacle, you have breakthrough on it. And they said, no, it's not breakthrough. It can't be breakthrough. And, you know, all of a sudden, you, you know, showing that more and more, this is a reality of, of what's actually happening out there. And I think Turf Truth does a good job of revisiting the old, revisiting the new, uh, putting them all together and presenting them in a way that is very harsh. He is, or she, or he, I think it's actually more than one person. They are not there to be your friend. Uh, they're there to call you on your bullshit and keep your ass in check. That if you have some sort of belief, uh, to to question it and, and explore it and dive down from a deeper perspective on why you may be experiencing those things you're experiencing, where you may have it in your head, oh, it's this special product I'm using, when in reality, it may just be a, a simple uh, issue like a nitrogen deficiency or a potassium deficiency that you were actually dealing with that solved it. And it had nothing to do with the biochar product you put down, if that makes sense, right? So that's kind of a long, overdone, 
uh, over preached to death explanation of turf truth, but I highly recommend everybody go follow. Um, I'll say this, even from my perspective, I'm not uh, immune from being criticized by turf truth. Um, and I can tell you right now, if there's any content I have out there that turf truth deems necessary to critique the holy hell, I'd delete it because I'm, I'm wrong. <laughs> and, and I, it's, it's not a fight worth fighting for me because, um, this is someone who is, is, is a very experienced academic, um, that has a lot of research experience, the way they talk about uh, different research, the way they cite research, the way they're able to recall research, you're not dealing with with some random Joe Schmo uh, who's got a mower and a backpack on the back of his yard and has sprayed glyphosate for 30 years. You're dealing with someone who has come at it from purely a very technical research perspective. And, this, and again, I want to make it clear also that not everything is going to align because there's so much experience-based data that does not translate to <laughs> does not translate to the real world but it is pretty damn close it is pretty damn close actually that would be an interesting show because i know you would fight ray damn it i know you would love to oh because here's why duke's up ray researcher do you know why my my red flags go up who funds research this is true too, Matt, and I, I I bet a, a thousand dollars that's the why they're part. anonymous. Oh, yeah, and who funds research? Because who are they to call something crap or whatever when they're just getting funding money from manufacturer X versus manufacturer Y? I mean, because. I know quite well the reason why, for example, they're going after our, you know, our favorite surfer slash pothead slash dirt Jesus is because somebody didn't send money to that to that organization's way. That's probably the only reason why. And if it, and that, if it becomes that, a, and when it yeah. becomes political like that, that's when I question whether somebody even has the right. To call, you know, something good and something bad because then that is contaminated and that's corrupted. Okay, I mean, it it, I, it would be interesting to have this person on. I I think, and I know what you're saying, Ray. I I, I don't disagree because you're right. Like, you can't be naive enough to think that there's not politics and money and relationships and some form or fashion or all three of those things that uh, are at play when, when things are said and things aren't said a lot of times um, with these products. And certainly this isn't life and death. You know, we're not talking about, you know, uh, cancer drugs or anything like that. I mean, this is stuff to make your grass look better. So, but you'd be surprised that, you know, how quickly and easily feelings get hurt. And, you know, Matt's been on the manufacturer side. He could tell you, you know, stories he's seen, heard, and experienced himself. Um, I've seen it from, you know, the end user side. Ray's seen it from the end user side. Like it's a, it's a real thing. So, you know, I appreciate that, uh, Lawn Burgundy, that you can bring some levity to the situation. You know, uh, and I know that there are people that are triggered by some of the things that you put out there. And, you know, if, if some of them, you know, saw a wider audience, they'd be even 
more incensed, but I think it's good. I think it's healthy. It's, you know, show me that your product works and show me that it works for the right reasons. And, um, yeah, just remember, you know, like what we've always said is that, you know, there's, I know it sounds corny and cliche and everything, but there's great grass on six continents of the world. They don't have all the same products in all six continents, right? But they do have good agronomy. And so I think that's something that gets lost on people a lot. And so hopefully, uh, yeah, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to reach out to turf juice publicist or something like that. But if you, if you do have the opportunity, click on that link that Matt threw up in the chat, go watch the trailer for, what's coming sometime in like early September. I think it's like September 7th or something. Uh, it is a very loud and forceful shot across the bow for sure. <laughs> there is uh, zero um, guesswork in terms of who the, uh, who the season one plot line will be about. <laughs> can we, can we yeah, play it with it- sound? No, you can watch it yourself. People can watch it themselves. They just <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's it, it is uh really valid to say they just say whatever they think will interest the audience or make it appear that they know what they're talking about and what comes out is bullshit. <laughs> It's real. I, so if nothing else, yeah, yeah, I, you haven't seen that yet. I have. Yes, I, I oh, have. Okay. I have watched that a couple times. Uh, when that came out, it was it was funny. I was in an area without cell reception. When I came back into cell reception, I had like thirty three notifications. Everybody like, oh my god, did you see what Turf Truth put up? I was like, no, let me watch this. And then I watched it. And I think I texted you first, Demay. I was like, Lord have mercy. In fact, I think when I text you, you had already texted me and was like, Turf Truth is coming out. <laughs> yep, coming out. So, I don't know. Like I said, I anybody that, that brings levity to the situation um, and can rise above all that, like, I, I can tell, and, and you can speak to it real quick, Lon Burgundy, but I don't think there's any malice behind it, right? It's more of like, hey, if you can't take a joke, don't put your stuff out there, right? I mean, is that is that fair to say? Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you can't you know, take the heat in the kitchen, right, you've got to get out. So, I mean, if you can't prove what's happening and you get defensive when we come at you about, hey, why does this work? Why doesn't this work? What's the proof behind it? And you're just stuttering, then you deserve to be, you know, kind of put on a pedestal and and, <laughs> and ostracized a little bit. So, you know, I mean... More like the... The head on top of a pipe. <laughs> yeah, there's different ways to do it. And I got a and fever. By the way, you know? And by the way, I have no objection about putting academics with a less than, you know, noble and pure agenda or academics that are corrupted. I'm, I'm going to be the first to put them on a pike. Even more so than the commercial buy my shit people. Yeah, and there's no doubt about that. I've heard you go on tangents before, Ray, on uh, on on radio shows. I think we did one on a very, very acclaimed and esteemed 
a professor who I'm not going to mention right now, <laughs> but I will within mm. within the next two to three years, I, I will I will mention it. But, you, you know, there's there's a lot of people right now that are forging ahead. that are the kind of the next generation of pioneers in the turf grass industry. And I would I would lump, you know, Bill Cruiser into that. Uh, uh, or how, how do you say it up north? Krauser? Is it Kreuzer? Kreuzer. Yeah, it's Kreuzer. I don't care what you say. Um, or um, uh, uh, it sold that is another one. Um, I, I'm drawing a blank on the first one that I was that I was thinking of. Uh, you know, I love Kaminsky's uh, Turf Grass Management book. I think that was a great book. He who he co-authored that with. I bought that. That was a good one. For people that are looking to get into this and are looking for a book, uh, Doctor Doctor Kaminsky's uh, what is it? I think it's just called Turf Grass Management. Is Turf Grass Management? Yep, that's like the fourth yeah. edition. It's out. AJ Turgeon, Al Turgeon's book. He's wrote that all four editions, and Kaminsky was fortunate enough to be able to co-author that with him here the most recent time. But fantastic text. Go on. Yeah, yeah, and so I mean, there's there's a lot of people that are that are you know full steam ahead that are doing. Oh, there it is. He's got the hardback. Um, there are uh, there are a lot of professors that are that are doing incredible work that are rewriting the script. You know, lump paste turf into that. You know, Dr. Larry and his wife. Uh, and so uh, there, there are a lot of positives there, and, and I'm sure it is a real struggle for those guys to remain independent. Um, especially when the private sector comes knocking and I'm not knocking anybody for going to the private sector. I get it the, under no circumstance would I ever want to be under the, the, the throes of a, of a university by any stretch of means of the imagination. Um, you know, I think about, you know, one of the, the recent PhDs at university of Tennessee went to work for, uh, who is it um, that does uh, PBI Gordon? You know, he took over weed research at, at PBI Gordon, and you know, I get it. I, I get it. You know, when you when you're when you when you want to make real money, that's that's what you end up doing when you when you have a PhD, right? So, kudos to those guys. And there's a lot of good people in here. And I would say whoever is behind Turf Truth, they may be. And this is pure speculation right here. This is 100% totally pure speculation is um the uh um they may be in a situation where they can't say the things they want to say because of where they're getting their research money or um they may be in a situation now where the 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 intensity of the of the homeowner market where it's opened up into these into into so many of IT and STEM professionals that take things to a whole new level that probably just hasn't been there before because of resources like the lawn forum, right? Where these people can network and get to know each other and form kind of these larger communities. And I think a lot of them start putting pressure on people uh, with these types of questions too. And I know it from my perspective, it sends me into a tizzy when I get eight emails in a row that tell me, I don't know what I'm doing. This is what I need to go do. You know, oh, you're so stupid. If you just went and put gypsum on the yard, it'd be so much better. Or, oh, you're so <laughs> dumb. You need to go spray phosphite and get your K levels up. Or, oh, you know, you're so dumb. If you just would have put down a a, 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 a turf painter of, of humic acid and painted it, you know, it would have it would have worked. And that it, it gets into my crawl, right? Because, you know, this is somebody who's maintained one property for three years, you know, who's uh, attempting to, to circumvent years, decades of uh, science and, uh, from my perspective, experience 
uh, to tell me what I need to be doing. And it's a bizarre scenario to be in. And, you know, I've said it before in the, the turf grass industry, we tend to take care of our own, uh, because one, it's, it's very niche and, and we are locked into a life of, uh, of, of pain, misery, and, and, and not very much money. And so we <laughs> revel in that misery together. We commiserate, right? And, uh, and so we get very defensive of one another. And so when, when someone from outside attempts to rewrite the decades of experience and heartache and pain and blood and sweat and the shit that we do day in and day out, uh, tries to tell us that we're stupid or dumb or we don't know what we're doing because they found something on Amazon that fixed it um, that's been around since the 50s or the 60s uh, to, to, you know, moderate moderate levels of success as all of a sudden, you know, the new second coming. Uh, then, you know, we get we get a little defensive about it. And I would say that may be the position that Turf Truth has found themselves in. I think it's a very good take. It's a very good way to, you know, sum, summarize that, Again, I, I know we've done a ton of talking here, but I, I just want to say, again, Lon Burgundy, thank you for bringing levity to something that people get very emotional about. We get very emotional about, as Matt just said, from time to time, and it, <laughs> it's just funny. I mean, if you if you don't if you take yourself so seriously that you can't look at that stuff and get get a little bit of a laugh out of it, or at least like crack a smile, something's wrong with you. Like you, you, something's wrong with you. So I thank you for that. Now, uh, I think Matt touched on it earlier too, saying that, you know, most of the guys that we deal with are engineers or IT. So we like to know the truth. We like that scientific method. We want things to be proven. We want, we, we enjoy new data because it could, <clears throat> it could create a whole new realm of thought, realm of thinking, a different path to go down, you know? So we got to be able to, to have that open mind with new data as it comes in but then still stay stuck with the basics. You know, if the basics aren't working, then there's something going on. So do you need all these snake oil salesmen to sell you everything under the sun that really you're just adding a bunch more water and you're wondering why your grass is green? No, you know, stick to the basics. And if there is something that comes out, then we will, like you, you guys have said before, we need, you know, two, three, five, ten years of, of good research to really see the longevity and realistic of, of that product to be able to make it worthwhile. I think we're just looking for the why and the truth behind that why here within within the, the little community that we have. So, absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's a great segue. Uh, before we before we sort of wrap up here, is you know, do you have any do you have any other questions? I mean, anything we didn't answer? I know we talked a little bit about your lawn, and we talked a lot about some other stuff too outside of it. But for your particular situation, I mean, I'm going to just say before I, I tell you to ask any questions is. It looks phenomenal, man. Like I know you're doing a, I know you want to, you know, level the back and continue to um, make big strides there. But I think it looks tremendous. You know, I think you've got a really good jumping off point. It's not like you're trying to correct uh, major, major issues. You know, the the soil test being what it is, it's workable. You know, it's not the end of the world. And so I just want to see, you know, what other questions do you have or or final thoughts or anything like that um, about your lawn. Uh, my lawn personally, I mean, it's been mostly thanks to, to you guys, you know, and, and the discord, you know, I, I took Ray and, and Matt's advice and yours too as well, Ryan. Um, I went and got 
you know, the, the two main um, chemicals that I needed for herbicides, you know, the chlorhexidine and the sulfentrazone, and I already had some 2,4-D kind of hanging out, and I've been utilizing those, you know, as as needed, and I've been making sure my rounding is a little bit better than the prodiamine application. Um, you know, in, in, in the winter, I yes, and in, in in the winter, I utilized some glyphosate and sprayed out a bunch of stuff, you know, on the Dorma Bermuda, and I had no issues. And I thought, okay, well, since I'm already maxed out for my prodiamine, you know, I know I forget which one it is. It's either sulfentrazone or chlorhexidine has a little bit of pre-emergent properties. I'm going to go ahead and spray this out once I start seeing a little bit and I'm going to hit that with, you know, at the beginning of the year. And that seemed to help as my, my spring, you know, pre-emergent setup. And I, I probably got 80 to 95%, you know, weed free. You know, I go out and I hand pull as I see them when I'm mowing, you know, if it's easy, I can grab it. I just pull it and I walk the turf a lot, just being out there with the kids. And I go tend to all those trees because I put all those trees in this year too within the last two years, I put 43 trees mm. in. So, I mean, Jeez. when I got the house, it was, there was nothing, right? It was just grass, you know, it was just the standard stereotypical cookie cutter house that they plop down and do a lot. And, you know, we wanted a little bit of uh, a space between us and the neighbors since we kind of sit down lower than everybody else. We saw them looking over our, our fences and us. So we wanted to put up at least a little bit of a wall back there to, to hide from them. So that caused a little bit more problems with, with mowing. You know, going around every single one of those trees was just way too time consuming up against the fence. You know, that fence mm -hmm. back there is, is south facing. So it was already getting light, you know, with Bermuda because it wasn't getting enough uh, sunlight. It was getting very thin and straggly. So I just said, you know, let's just let's do what the yard wants us to do and what nature says that we need to do. And let's let's cut this out. Let's mulch bed it, make it easier for all of us. And I can spend more time with the family and everything. And. That's another big reason why I decided to do PGR this year was because, you know, I wanted to, to mow a little bit less and be out there a little bit less maintaining it at the nice height of cut that the wife liked out front. And I wanted to pull that to the back to allow the kids to, to be able to run around in grass that was short and nice and firm. And I mean, one of my kids had a, had a tick bite early in like two years ago, and it, it's still kind of there you know it's still kind of plaguing him a little bit so having shorter grass and everything was another big part of you know going low because i didn't want to introduce those kind of bugs and those kind of issues and the potential health side effects for my child too so sure you know, that was another big reason that we wanted to go that route as well but I, mean, I think i get a lot of great information from you guys you know in, in the discord and whenever i have you know um or a, a process I'll, I'll spit it out there and you know tag one of you guys or ray or you know and then most other guys in there are pretty well knowledgeable you know, I, I i've learned that once i think i got a handle on something another door opens and it's just this huge everest mountain of information on this other product that i didn't know about and it's there's always that yep. fourth dimension that you keep chasing you know it's chasing that dragon but it's been interesting you know i i love learning I, i'm an engineer at heart so i love learning and, and doing tests and you know at the same time i look at it i'm like yeah it's just grass it's bermuda especially this is just a pickle it'll grow back it's fine i'm not worried about it give some fertilizer give some water it's you know it, it likes the abuse as uh, as sean likes to say all the time so you know it's just you know learning every year and learning what to do and when to apply it and then taking some risks you know so i mean i've been throwing out like i was saying five pounds of sulfur per thousand you know all uh three times this year so it's, you know, throw it down, water it in, and walk away. So, 
Hey, there's yeah. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Ray, anything you want to, you want to add here before we get out of here and I'll let, I'll, I'll set this up too now so I can stop talking after this for, um, you know, it's a good way to, for Matt to finish up and tease the show after because a lot of what we talked about is show after content, but it's really all about the show after. So Ray, take it away. <laughs> anything you have to say before Matt gets us out of here. I just have to say that you have done oh. an excellent job with what I consider minimal inputs. You know, that, that, that's just what, I, what I'm looking at is you don't have thousands of dollars worth of products. You're not applying materials every single week. At least I don't think you are. But at the same time, your lawn looks fantastic. No, really, your lawn looks fantastic. And, of course, kudos to you for also being practical and taking out the part of the lawn that would just be a thorn in your side. And that would be that part of the lawn that goes right up to the fence behind the trees. Most people, or especially the people that I meet, want to desperately cling to every square inch of grass that they have in their lawn. When I tell them, you see that grass over there that's up to the fence and behind the plants that gotta go? It's as if I've proposed, you know, ritual sacrifice of babies to them. You know, but... <laughs> It's, it's just it grass, on and, you know. <laughs> we started off with swatting and we went to ritual sacrifice. What an episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to get us out of here. Check out our new podcast. It's called Hold the up. Burn and Return Podcast. Whoa. Whoa. Uh, we got a little mailbag here. Oh, oh, uh, oh, oh. My don't bad. forget. My yeah, bad. That's our. This is our uh, yeah. Home Health can be our mailbag sponsor tonight, right? Because yeah, that's you oh, yeah. Can this go evening's... to www.homehealth. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, do it. No, this evening's mailbag is brought to you by our one and only sponsor, Home Health. Homehealth.com forward slash the grass factor. Take your mother uh manhood back. Look, it's super easy. For 45 bucks, you get set up. All you need to do to take a test, you prick your finger, you send it in, and then you sit down and you meet with the doctor and they tell you what is up. I was stunned. I'm 34 years old. I shouldn't be this way. I am extremely testosterone deficient, especially for being 34 years old. I mean, it was like the average, my testosterone levels were, were for an average 65-year-old man. It's horrific. And, uh, but it's so exciting because I talked with the doctor and the doctor, you know, he gave me the phrase that pays, right? And you, you want to talk about getting me amped up and excited. He said, you don't understand with your deficiency levels at your age, this is going to change your life. If you're tired of pinning it all on being old, you don't have to. Honehealth.com forward slash grass factor, 45 bucks. Let's do this. All right, Jay Pink, what you got? All right. right. So, so uh, this, uh, this first email from, comes from Lone Goose. Whoa. Whoa. Hang on, J-Pink. You went haywire there. You went to Mars for a second there. You are still in Mars. J-Pink no. is a robot. It sounds like you have a loose cable. 
But we've got a soul test here. And uh, all right, we did a weak bray. Uh, what is soil pH? 5.3. Why aren't we doing a weak bray with a 5.3 soil pH? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, very low cation exchange capacity. So we're dealing with some sandier soil. Um, oh, we did a strong bray too. Okay. Uh, we are critically deficient in potassium. Uh, decent sodium levels. I'm curious what kind of grass this is. All right. I got it. I'm going to read it for you here. All right. Hey, guys, I have a question about my soil test. I did a soil test preseason before I applied anything to the lawn, and I just did a midseason test to see how everything is going. My macros went up, which I expected, but my micros went down, and so did my pH. I've applied 150 pounds of pulverized dolomitic lime so far this season. I have 5,000 square feet of Kentucky bluegrass lawn with irrigation. I've attached both soil tests so you guys can see the numbers. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Love the show and all the info you guys put out. Keep up the great work. All right, I don't know who that's from. We'll just call him Keith tonight. So Keith Stone. All right, Keith Stone. <laughs> what? Let's goose. see here. Yeah, let him live. So let's see July 26th. So can we go back real quick and then go forward? Back and to the left. Back and to the left. Anybody? No. JFK. Oh, wow. So the K went up a lot. K went up over 50%. Um, So he's moving in the right direction, but if this is me, I'm not even worried about the micro so much yet, especially at that pH, like 5, I guess a little bit, but... 150 pounds so far of dolomitic lime. Where are we at? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you just got to keep pumping that lime, dog. I mean, that's hey, kind of where we're at at this point. No, nah, well, maybe a little bit. No. You sound like two. You sound like two J Pinks. Did you have a baby with yourself? Any better? Yeah. There we go. All right. You're okay. All, there we all go. right. I don't know what happened yeah. there. We're uh, live. <laughs> it was Lone Goose was messing with me, apparently. Yeah. So he uh, basically he's applied the kitchen sink since March. Um, so here's his first soil test in March. And uh, I can I mean, like it would take too long to describe everything he's put down on his 5000 square feet. Then there's his July. And basically, if you were going to give him 60 seconds worth of advice to finish off this season or even looking into next year, um, what would you do there? He also was kind of curious. I mean, again, he's applied a lot. So, I mean, we could break that down, but it'd take a little bit. Um, his, he said, my macros went up, which I expected, but my micros went down and so did my pH. Ray, if this is me, I'm, I'm going to say stop the insanity. Stop the insanity now. Focus on MPK. Get your lime and correct lime. here. Yes. Yeah. Just just stop putting down crap and just lime it first of all, and then worry about your NPK. In fact, if somebody has already acidic soil and they try to green it up with excessive nitrogen. That will just go sideways on them, actually. Do you know why? 
Tell me. Because all of that ammonium and urea nitrogen then just adds to the acidity and actually makes things worse. So the first thing you do is you always work on your pH first. I mean, and so whatever stuff he bought from whoever he bought it from, keep it. Oh, man. Okay, I'm sorry. I wasn't laughing at you, Ray. I just read what Brandon Falk said in the chat. And I, 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 I know. I, I, I was, I was genu- laughing I was... at the... No, I was kind of like looking at that because that is an example of more buy my shit products, which, by the way, Green Shocker is simply a more expensive version of Scott's Turf Builder. Okay, that's all it is. It's just a more expensive version of Scott's Turf Builder. Because do you know how big granule size Scott's Turf Builder is? It's about an H SGM. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a hundred or less. Yeah, it's less than a hundred. So this is just a more BME yeah. BMS. I was gonna say with this, you know, I would apply phosphorus if you're gonna do any kind of seeding, that's the only time I would do it. Now is the time I would probably be switching over to a one zero one. Uh, and be applying that and lime and that is pretty much it you got to understand you're going to do better with a spoon feeding program just because you're low cation exchange capacity uh so you know frequency lower rates manage surge growth kind of sort of deal or if you want to extend that out use slow release sources um but with that low cec and already low potassium understand you can dive into that a little quicker uh, so that's where the frequency of applications would be imperative. That if you are going to use an extended release, slow release fertilizer, you might still have to supplement with K in the meantime because uh, your soil ain't going to hold on to it all that good and well. We good? We good. Any more mailbag? We're good. Good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this one comes from Bob out of Southeast Michigan. He said, Matt, I enjoy your live shows with Ryan and Ray. I have some experience with liverwort and moss control that you could pass along in your next show. I sprinkle common baking soda on both liverwort and moss with great success for killing both. Just be careful when sprinkling near other plants. I assume it is the salt content, but I am not sure why it works. Roundup has never worked on me for liverwort. Uh, He also provided a link to an article uh, that Rutgers put out talking about this, which I will throw in the youtube chat here as soon as i find the right tab after the whole craziness so yeah common baking uh soda he says there we go high so and high sodicity ruckers high so yep high sodicity will kill a lot of things because essentially baking soda is just alkaline and salty you know alkaline sodium so not many forms of plant life appreciate that. And then uh, the final one that we've got is from Jacob. Hey, Matt, love the channel. Uh, we lost Ryan. Uh, hey, Matt, love the channel. I recently moved into my oh. new home in North Augusta, South Carolina, and got a soil test done. I was wondering if you could either bring back another series of videos on reading soil tests with the crew or if you could steer me in the right direction. Also, 
It would be awesome to see you do videos on the Subvert Line or Ryan Knorr liquids in the old white dry erase board format. I love those videos and learned a lot. As always, keep up the good work. So he gives you homework, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> I, w I will try. I am so tapped for time right now. I will do my absolute best. So we'll see. I've got videos recorded that just need to be edited, and I, I can't even get that done. All right, everybody, we're going to be signing out. We're headed over to the show after the show. If you don't know about the show after the show, that's where we go live. Uh, and it is for members only. So if you want to be a part of that, and I'm going to warn you, it's you got bad words. It's it's hilarious, absolutely hilarious. It's ruthless, It's uh, and it's a ton of fun. But you have to hit that join button. I don't care which level of membership you join. Hit the join button. Uh, sign up because we have to keep this exclusive because it is not for the faint of heart. And we don't want people in there that aren't as serious about it as we are. And uh, then you head over and I will be posting a link to the community Discord members only. And uh, there we will post a link and tell you how to view the video. And it will be live for 10 minutes and 10 minutes only. And then after that, it will cease to exist. It will no longer exist. We will pull it and it is gone into the ethos for the rest of time, never to be seen again. So you've got 10 minutes and 10 minutes only starting here in about a minute. We'll see you on the flip side.